It's time for another exciting, enthralling, stupefyingly monotonous, and entirely unnecessary episode of TV Chinwag. Please welcome your hosts with the meh, Ryan and Jules. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 50 of TV Chinwag. My name is Ryan, and with me, as always, is the woman who woos and does two 50th episodes in one month. It's Jules. Hey, Jules. <laughs> Where would my life be without podcasting? Um, um, don't don't answer that. a little bit more time. Yeah. <laughs> yes, no, 50 episodes, Ryan. Wow. Pretty spectacular, Jules. I didn't think we'd ever make it. <laughs> didn't you? Yeah, no. Year of little faith. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. We, could have, we could have done twice as um, many in this time and, uh, and still have not got around to even half the TV that we need to. And you still wouldn't have watched Shameless. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's true. Maybe for our hundredth, well, I should commit now to do a Shameless uh, episode. You should, yeah, because I don't know if you know this or not, but it will be your favorite show in the history of the world. Oh, I can't. It's just so you, Jules. That's the thing that you don't understand. It's so you. I think I do understand it, but at the moment, peak TV is crushing me, Ryan. There is too much television. I'm weeping at all the things I can't watch. Um, yeah. And very happy at the things I can watch, but really, there's just so much on. Well, like today, for instance, we're doing two brand new shows that have only been out four or five episodes, but I, I've only just caught up with, with both of them, but... I mean, it's just two more shows added to the repertoire. I, I gotta maybe dump two more off the back end somewhere. Yes, well, there's uh, quite a few series that I haven't picked up for their their season that started this fall because uh, I think, well, I'll just have to wait till they're on Netflix or something because I haven't got time. And then, yeah. damn, Netflix goes and and drops bloody gold like Jessica Jones on us, and you know, there goes the weekend. Um, and I'm still catching yeah. up with last week's episodes of, of various shows. So, um, damn you people for making good stories. I haven't seen Jessica. Was it Jessica Jones? Yes. Or January Jones. Jessica Jones. January Jones is the actress from Mad Men. But she's in it, right? No. Okay. See, I'm confused. You are very confused. Just people called Jones aren't in it. Just That's just the name of the character. Is this like Orphan Black? No. Sounds like Orphan Black, though. No. <laughs> hmm. You need to watch it. It is absolutely fucking amazing. Oh. Wow. Really? So we should be reviewing it? We should definitely, we should definitely be reviewing it. Um, if you liked Daredevil, you'll love this. What if you only liked Daredevil? Um, I don't think it even matters. If you don't like this, you just don't like good storytelling. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> um, no, it's 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 really amazing on all on all fronts. But yeah, I think it's set in the same um, universe, if you like, as as Daredevil. Um, and I think there will be some crossovers with a couple of characters at some point. But um, and and one little thing I like about it because it's in the Marvel universe, but of course they can't use the the big property names that are in the movies. But they exist in a universe where the people of New York know about Captain America and the Hulk and that. So as with Daredevil occasionally there are, you know, throwaway lines about, you know, the big green guy or something. And I really like that because it just adds that this is a world where 
where superheroes exist. Mm-hmm. Um, even though Jessica Jones is, and she is a superhero, but she's a very different sort. Um, and that's what makes this a very interesting uh, uh, story because it's it's telling a very different superhero story than you like the big blockbuster movies tell. So um, yeah, no catch. Everyone should be catching Jessica Jones. Cool. All right. Well, we'll have to review it for next time. Definitely. What else is new, Josie? What Anything else? exciting? Anything awesome? What else is new? A little bit of news, I suppose, on one of my you know favorite topics about you know the evolving uh, spelling and uh, how how that's changing in our world is that uh, Fox Network joins. Um, FX, AMC, and USA, in they will no longer be reporting their daily ratings. Basically, recognizing that in 2015, um, the number of people who watch a show as it goes to air, I don't know how many. Uh, I mean, and the, obviously, this has been around for a number of years with, with um, hmm, DVRing, PVRing stuff. And, you know, for a long time, Nielsen have re- uh, released uh, Plus Seven. Uh, ratings, so you know they'll they'll release the ratings a, a week after a show has aired. Um, but yeah, I think it's a it's a big recognition that that um, that live viewing is now just really one one segment of your audience, and that they're uh, you know not a reflection of who's watching overall and when people are watching. And uh, it's getting a lot. Well, it's probably always been complex, but, uh, you know, the ratings, the Nielsen live ratings reduced it down to a number for the hour which you were broadcast. So everyone could pretend that that was, that was the truth. Um, but I think now everyone's gone, mm-hmm. yeah, no, that's, that's uh, just a very mm-hmm. little segment of who's watching and, and how well your show is going. Well, that makes sense to me. I mean, I think everyone has been screaming that for years. Yeah. Um, it's good. It's good that somebody's actually paying attention, I guess, but it's way too late. Yeah. How many shows have been cancelled because that number has been low where their online presence is huge? I'm, I'm sure it happens. Well, yeah, right? and I suppose what it doesn't do is it doesn't solve um, the broadcaster's problems. Is How do we prove to the people who are, uh, you know, paying us money and whether that's advertisers or subscribers or whatever it is, uh, people funding their, their shows, how do we prove how, how many people are watching our show or how popular it is or why they should keep giving us money? That's that's the conundrum that has to be solved. So you can say, well, the the, the ratings in an hour or two days or a week, you know, aren't, aren't a good reflection. But the point is they've still got to have a, some sort of tool, ideally quantitative, to go to you know, whoever to say, hey, look, this show is worth you advertising on or this show is worth you ordering another season of. Uh, and that's getting a lot harder. And particularly, um, you know, we talk about peak TV. Shows that are really popular now, even if you look at the the live ratings, you know, they have the sort of ratings that 10 years ago would have got a show cancelled because the viewing order sh- audience is spread you know, so much more thinly because there's 400 really good things to watch rather than, you know, 14. So, uh, you know, I think there's mm-hmm. a real um, a challenge there. And we have seen things like Nielsen start to pick up with things like their, their Twitter ratings. Um, but then again, that's, you know, that's a segment of a segment, if you like, because just because people are talking about something on Twitter doesn't mean they like it, doesn't mean uh, they're the, you know, they're the, 
the demographic you want. You know, there's a <laughs> again, it's another number, but is yeah. it the number that you want? Uh, and we know that you know, by and large, the the shows that will often win the the Twitter ratings are the live shows. So things like um, reality talent shows and things like that that people know you need to watch live because you'll you'll get spoiled for it. It doesn't help so much with scripted TV. So um, I'm. No, because even then, you already have the numbers as to who's who's watching based on your Nielsen sure, if it's live sure. broadcast. It's another, uh, I, I think so, Twitter yeah. ratings are another gauge of engagement, if you like. So you can argue that the higher yeah. that is, the more people are. Uh, they're watching the show, they're tweeting about the show, uh, i.e. that means they're even more engaged with the show because just because you've got the t- TV on doesn't right. mean that you're engaged with something. So it's another bit of information, but I think, you know, this is going to be something that, um, and, and I think it's one reason we've seen the shift to subscriber-based um, platforms because that's a different model than the, you you pay us to advertise, you know, basing your income only on the advertising or mainly on the advertising you sell during the live broadcast. So I'm glad I don't want a TV network at the moment. Well, it would still be fun, though. I mean, have you ever seen UHF? It seems like a lot of fun, what he's doing there. Yes. With Weird Al? Yes, yes, I do. I don't know if you remember. Um, I don't know that I'm the person that you want running your um, your TV network anyway. But um, all I can say is let's. I'm just glad that there's lots of stuff for us to watch. Yeah, yeah, me too. Um what would you consider dropping off your watch list at this point? Would you be willing to tell us? Oh, look, there's some of the uh, shows. How many shows are on the outs? Well, things like Arrow, The Flash. Oh, The Flash I'd probably already dropped off. Um, weekly, episodic things, which I, I enjoy watching. It's that sort of thing is in the old days it would have been, you know, I would sit down and, and watch that and happily enjoy it. But now it's like, well... Yeah, I'll be happy to catch up with that on on Netflix because there are other shows, shows I'm going to get more spoiled for, or shows that I am enjoying so much. And when you've got things like, you know, got it, um, you know, The Leftovers and Fargo, and you know, some really amazing TV, um, and you know, there's mm-hmm. only so many hours in the week. They're they're the things that I want to um, that I want to keep up with. What have you dropped off the list? Everything. <laughs> Um, there's certain things, yeah, there's just certain things that keep downloading, uh, or, you know, showing up in the, here's the list of shows, but I, I just haven't watched forever. Um, well, like Ray Donovan yes. was one of the ones that, you know, I still didn't even see the whole, se- the whole season of, um, um, Orphan Black obviously dropped off for me after the first season, but, uh, you know, it's, it's stuff like that and yeah, nothing against them. They're fine shows, but it's just of all the people, uh, of all the shows, it's just not something on on the radar at this point. I don't know. I guess that's terrible. Well, yeah, and I think at least these days there's that comfort of knowing, you know, you don't have to think, oh, I'll have to wait until it gets syndicated or something. You know it'll show up somewhere to stream, you know, in the next six months. So I don't feel as like I'm I'm abandoning it. So something like Arrow, which is a bit of a hoosh, you know that's a that's a great thing to binge next winter or something. Um, other shows that I just are mm-hmm. so amazing, and one of the things that's changed for me shows like Fargo and The Leftovers for me are 
watch and do nothing else shows. You know, their device down shows for me. I have, I, I, I mm-hmm. just stop everything. So, in some ways, they take up more time for me. So, whereas you know, Arrow would be something I would have watched while I was doing other things. Some you know, yes, sometimes, yes. but because- although leftovers, I do find myself minimizing it and doing other things a lot. Of time. <gasps> yeah, there are some kind of dull bits to it. Some dull beats. Some slow beats. Um, but, yeah, it's just the way it is. Black Sails is another one that I, I go away from and then I come back and catch up. Um, Sleepy Hollow, that's fallen off the list. Yep. I, I just don't bother with that anymore. Yep. Um, you know, um, you know. I don't know. They're okay. They're all fine. Even Shameless last season, um, I started by watching the first couple episodes. I wasn't crazy about it and then I just dropped off and then... I only went back maybe a month ago and just binged the, the rest of the season. Mm. It was so good. It was so good. Yes, I will watch it at some point, Ryan. No, you won't. <laughs> so what are we What are we watching that we're going to review uh, in this episode of TV Chinwag? We're reviewing two shows that I don't think either of us really had on our radar, but are super happy to find out that they made. Uh, one is Ash versus the Evil Dead. And the other one is a TV show called The Romeo Section. Let's start with the one and only Groovy Bruce with Ash and the Evil Dead versus the Evil Dead. My uncle was a shaman. When I was a kid, he would say, Evil is always waiting in the shadows. And only one man would rise to stand against it. Looking sweet. Uh-huh. Pablo, music. Here's the plan. There must be some spell I can say to undo this BS once and for all. Well, that sucked pretty hard. Yo, Granny. Let's go. If we get this on quick enough, we might have time to stop for churros. That's not a racist thing, Pablo. That's just a great dessert. You know I'm not Mexican, right? That's the spirit. Jules. Yes. Are you an Evil Dead lover? Yes. And look, this was certainly was on my radar. Um, I'm a Bruce Campbell lover and an uh, Evil Dead lover. I did even go and see the remake last year, I have to say. Um just because I like to see things before I say that they were not worth making. Um, and I, I, this had been on my radar. It had been pimped a lot at uh, the most Comic-Con this year, but previously. Again, one of those things where you're like, oh, God, this, you know, Evil Dead uh, sort of reboot as a TV series, this could be an on Stars. This, even though we love Stars, love you, Stars Network, this could be an absolute train wreck um it's not it's amazing i love it very very much (laughs) what do you love about it um so if uh, some your connection to it will probably depend on whether you have watched the evil dead movies and what you like about the evil dead movies um to give people oh can give uh, it's hard to sort of sum everything up but Basically, in the original Evil Dead movie, uh, Bruce Campbell played a character by the name of Ash who was part of your um, 
your very usual group of attractive young people who go to a cabin in the the eponymous cabin in the woods uh, and uh, bad shit happens. They find a book called the Necromicon, um, which is a portal to to hell, which releases demons, uh, which, of course, get released. They possess people. uh, The pretty young things all get uh, killed. A woman gets raped by a tree. and uh, (laughs) Hold on. She gets raped by a tree? See, I've never seen this. Haven't you? There you go. and at some point, Ash gets Ash, the Bruce Campbell character, gets possessed. And in order to unpossess himself, he has to cut off his hand. Um, it, it is a real blood spatter fest. Uh, but the the original first movie was, uh, you know, a, a true straight horror movie. Uh, the subsequent movies um, were what could one say? Hammier, cheesier, and campier on all levels. Uh. Now, what they've done with Ash versus the Evil Dead, they've re- they've picked up um, the Ash character, whatever it's meant to be, 20, 30 years later, um, and it's it's Bruce Campbell living in a trailer, basically being Bruce Campbell to some extent. <laughs> like, he's, uh, he's this sort of uh, bit of a loser, works in a... Um, I was going to say Bunnings, but no one knows what that is. Home Depot type store, um, uh, you know. Or not, it, not even. It's 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 a, a, a warehouse that does like liquidation. I think. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's even shittier than that. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, so. you know, still after the ladies on every turn. Um, hilarious. He's still got the Necromicon. Uh, hilariously gets stoned, and you know, trying to impress a girl. Um, repeats the incantation that uh, opens the portal to hell, bad things come through and shit starts going down. That's your, that's your basic premise. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think of uh, Ash vs. the Evil Dead, Ryan? Given that you haven't... Have you seen any of the movies? No. None of them? No, they're not. That's not my taste. I, wow. I don't like those kind of movies. Yeah, I know. Um what do I think about it? I think it's great. I really enjoyed it. I thought I thought it was really funny. Some really hilarious kind of setups. Um, the gore is just over the top, ridiculous blood amounts of blood. Um, it's you know there's some really cool special effects makeup on the deadites um, that looks great. I'm not I'm not the biggest Bruce Campbell fan in the world, um, but he certainly does does this very well. First episode was directed by Sam Raimi, which is cool. Um, and then the second episode and third episodes uh, were other directors. I think they did really, really good jobs, yep. actually. Um, I think they were really funny, um, really frightening. Are they just half-hour episodes? I think so. No, no, they're, 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 they're full-length episodes, 44. Are they? Yeah, yeah, they are. I don't think they are, Jules. I think they're 23 minutes. Um, okay. I'll check. I, I have one right here. Um and just really good, uh, you know. Like I, I think that they're they kind of remind me a little bit of. Um, oh, this is going to sound really weird because actually they shouldn't be connected to this at all. But yeah, they're twenty-seven minute episodes. Oh, um, okay. They kind of remind me a little bit of um, um, Reaper. I don't yeah, know yeah. why. Uh, there's some little twinges of Reaper that come through there. Um, you know, art direction is great. Things look really gorgeous and beautiful. Um, mm. Some of the visual effects are astonishingly great. Some of them really need a lot of work. Um, 
But all in all, I, I think it's really fun. And as long as you're okay with blood and gore, you would you will really like it. Um, it's a little tropey with, or new trope maybe, with the really sexy black um, detective, uh, a la Sleepy Hollow, um, who's sort of investigating and, and tracking down Ash. Um, I, I'm not 100% sure on what's going on with a couple of the plot lines uh, exactly, but i um, excited to find out, I guess. Um, and see some cool shit happen. Um, I, I guess I, I don't really know the history of it, so I don't know the camp level of the movies. Is it similar to what we're seeing here? Have they done a? Have they done it justice? Well, I think what's what's interesting and um, is that they've sort of melded the 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 true horror of of the first movie, which you know was made on a budget of about seven dollars fifty and mm-hmm. uh, you know filmed over weekends and, yeah. but is a so very very low budget but really you know some genuine i mean it became a classic for for good reason um in and they've picked up both the i think some of that actual horror um and often some of the filming techniques and and you you see some of it uh from Raimi obviously directing in the in the pilot but also i think in the third episode um and people will be familiar the the sort of the camera racing along the ground as the you know showing the demons just been released from hell sort of thing i mean there's some shots that came from the original evil dead movie that have now become horror tropes and for those of us familiar with those things, it's nice to sort of go, yeah, just reminding everyone where this came from originally. So you've seen it in a million horror movies since, but that it actually came from the original Evil Dead. A lot of, a lot of stuff that uh, you know seeped into the whole genre, um, and I think it's doing that really well, combined with the um, you know the over-the-top, very 80s slasher flick. Um, you know, excessive gore and blood, except, you know, as you said, a lot of the, the, the both VFX and the SFX are, are, are a lot better now. Um, and it can, it, it's, ter- you know, it can, it's certainly not a serious, it's a, it's a horror comedy, but it, it ke- is keeping enough of the horror horrifying, mm-hmm. <laughs> see if that's a thing. So it can go from being hilarious with the sort of the deadites, the zombie type ca- creatures and that being over the top and funny and then there'll be things i thought the um the demon they summoned in um in the third episode was very hellraiser and actually i thought the effects with that you know the one without the face really cool big mouth that was that was you know that was worthy of any real horror movie um i think bruce campbell's what they've done here too is they've made the ash character um you know he is a dick, but he's also more likable. You know, he's got a couple of um, sidekicks on the um, on the journey with him now. A couple of younger people. Um, we have Lucy Lawless <laughs> as some mysterious sort of figure who's on, uh, you know, hunting down the Necrom- Necromicon and, and Ash. Um, so there's a good ensemble there, I think. And I'm looking. I, th- I think there's the there's elements of chemistry there that. I look forward to seeing develop, and they also ground it a bit, if you like. So it's not just um, because Ash is so over the top; he is a bit like, you know, too much of it would would almost become would take away from it being a show you'd be watching all the time. But I think it's balanced enough, um, and you know, I've only watched 
I think there's been four episodes I've watched the first three uh, certainly something I will keep watching uh, because it's a lot of fun interestingly it was renewed for a second season before it even started airing oh cool I love that <laughs> Um, and there's 10 episodes in this this first season. And it look, it's a real romp. It's real what I'd call, you know, sat, you know if you're home on a Saturday night um, and you've got some mates around, this is the sort of thing you'd like to yeah. watch. You know, it's fun, it's laugh, scream, uh, TV. Uh, and, and it would be a good thing to save up and, you know, uh, binge, uh, you know, three, four, five episodes all at mm-hmm. once. Yeah, which yeah, I just watched two back to back. It was easy, fun. It was good. Um, now this is something you've waited for. I mean, you've it, it, in your wildest dreams. Did you ever think you have an Ash versus Evil Dead TV show? Oh no! And, and as I said, it's one of those things where you, you, your first, re- my first you, response, you would expect it to be kind of well. Shit. And then we heard things like you know, as soon as we knew Bruce Campbell was involved, Sam Raimi was involved, uh, people started going, oh, this 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 could be good. Um, uh huh. And, you know, got all all strength to Bruce Campbell, who, you know, I I have to deal with him being Ash on this and then flip over and see him being Ronald Reagan on Fargo. <laughs> so <laughs> um, that's an interesting uh, dichotomy right there. But, no, they couldn't have done better. It's a real homage to um, 80s horror, to 80s horror comedy, Um if you like that genre, and it's not going to be for everyone. It really is. It, it, it's gory and over the top. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. It's got some it's got some good humour in it. The humour isn't all embedded in um, uh, just the slasher horror stuff. Um, you know, there's some good dialogue. It it you know it's clear that you know the Bruce Campbell character is a bit of a dick, and it's good that he's got some people around him to point that out. To him, but he's got a mm-hmm. bit of a heart too, you know, um, and only one hand uh, because his other mm-hmm. uh, and on his stump he can attach a chainsaw to, which is pretty cool. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's okay. Um, should I go back and watch the movies, or is it better just to stick with this show as a fine example of? The genre of the character of the world. Yeah, I, I don't think if you if you've got this far in your life, Ryan, and you haven't watched the movies, then I would suspect watching them at this point it certainly won't add to your appreciation of the TV series sufficiently enough, and you may not like them, and that might detract from your appreciation of the TV series. Oh man! <laughs> what? <laughs> that sucks. Well, I figure if you haven't seen them until now, there's probably good reason. If you don't like the genre or whatever, then why put yourself through it? Okay, <laughs> this does remind me a little bit of the movie that I just watched, which was um, the Boy Scouts Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse. The Boy Scouts Guide to Surviving the Zombie Apocalypse movie. Um, if you yep. have a chance to see that, it's worth seeing. It's very much like this campy zombie style, uber gore, uber blood. Um, you know, in that, uh, that guy takes a bottle and stabs a zombie in the head. And the uh, the blood just pours out of the spout of the bottleneck, uh. <laughs> as if he's as if he's pouring a cocktail. It's pretty great, um, but kind of like this, just funny and, yeah, and ridiculous. It's a romp, a bit of a romp. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah um, pretty fun. I, you know, ten episodes. I'll probably keep watching it. Half hour episodes. It doesn't take up a lot on the roster. I'm I'm down with it. Yeah, and as I said, it's probably one that I will, um, you know. 
I have been, well, I think I've watched the first two and then I've just watched the third one. But I'll probably wait a couple of weeks and then watch two or, or three in a row because um, mm-hmm. I think um, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's fine to watch that way. Interesting, I tried doing that with a couple of my other shows to, to you know, um, maximise or optimise mm-hmm. my viewing time. I can't watch two episodes of Leftovers um back to back it's too intense for me and that, i have two episodes of fargo waiting right now yeah i probably couldn't do it with i haven't tried i could, probably couldn't do it with fargo but i found, found that you know it takes everything i've got to get through and, and i mean this in a good way dear listeners i'm not saying it's hard work well it is hard work but it's good hard work with leftovers but i mm-hmm. often feel there's so much to think about and feel in an episode of the leftovers that the thought of watching two of them at once is like no jules needs to go and have a lie down <laughs> <laughs> Whereas Ash, Ash is the sort of thing you'd pop on either if you're home on a Saturday night or if you're going out on a Saturday night. The ideal thing to uh, watch is you're having a, a few bevies or whatever before you go out on a Saturday. Especially if you're going zombie hunting. Then just give you some ideas of how, how to do it. That would be... Ex- maybe. Take a chainsaw. That's sort of a, a good one. Yeah. Attach it to your hand stump. If you've got one. So, highly recommended Ash vs. Evil Dead. Go and watch it. You know, I get past the first episode. The first episode didn't grab me, i got to be honest with you. After I watched the first episode, I didn't watch any others until tonight when we're going to review it. Um, it was good. It was fine. A little convoluted, a little overproduced, I think. Um, but episode two, and then especially episode three, really got me. Yeah. Um, I, I like it. But a little Sleepy Hollow. It's got a little bit of Sleepy I, Hollow. I would with, see, Sleepy Hollow season that. one. It's got some of the yeah. the DNA of that in it, and it sort of made me a bit sad because Sleepy Hollow really went off the boil in in season two for me and for many people. Um, and I think uh, you know, although they're very different in style, it is that sort of. Uh, case of the week people with a mission um and and it reminded me of sleepy hollow at its best mm-hmm. yeah at its best especially with the demonology and stuff yeah uh, and as you as it, you said the set it, deck is is gorgeous on it i mean there's yeah. uh, particularly the last episode we both watched with the um in the bookshop and all the little mm-hmm. jars of preserved things and books and um you know, ancient tomes and everything, uh, gorgeous stuff. So it's, it's, um, yeah, there's a, it's a, the visual, visual landscape in it. And as I said, very in keeping as the credits are with, uh, with 80s horror. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Um, fun. I, and, and it's on Star, so you uh, know they're swearing. It's funny because I don't, I, um, I, I don't fucking notice it. You don't notice it anymore. <laughs> Um, someone, someone I mentioned seen any nudity. No, no, not yet. Um, someone mentioned that about Jessica Jones yeah. about her swearing or something, and it's like, oh, you, what? Didn't even notice it. But uh, maybe it's because I'm Australian. <laughs> you guys are all <laughs> we see are. next Tuesdays anyway. Yeah. Ah, uh, cool, man. So Ash and the versus the Evil Dead. Good stuff. Maybe they'll make a movie one day. <laughs> well, uh, and I will just say because I watched the uh, the remake of the original Evil Dead, <clears throat> and it it, it um, brought up for me a lot of what happens when people remake uh, movies, and this is rebate remakes as opposed to reboots. I suppose is the question is why if you're not 
doing anything different than the original one did other than you're you not know, making it technology. better yeah. yeah or you know maybe you've got better yeah. technology or something like that and i'm not quite sure yeah it's, it's why and who are you making it for because people who love the original movie are probably by and large going to be your hardest audience to convince of why there needs to be a remake a new generation of people who, mm -hmm. who haven't watched the original movie or or find it dated or whatever because they're young um there's lots of other movies that they're going to watch rather than watch a remake of something that already exists and and evil dead was like that it's like if 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 the original evil dead hadn't happened and in this and and all the things that it uh, influenced and that hadn't happened, then maybe this would have value. But it, it just, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't badly made, written or anything. But it, there was just no point to it for me. Um, and go back for people who love horror. Go and watch the original Evil Dead because it's fucking scary. Yeah, Ooh, no, this is like this has got some full-on scary shit. And if you've seen Cabin in the Woods, which was the um, you know, sort of the Drew Goddard meta um, take on, on all the horror stuff. Um, and you haven't seen Evil Dead, go and watch it and then Captain in the Woods means a lot more as well. There you go. Cool. Awesome. There's some required viewing, I guess. Yes, please go and do your homework. So let's move on, Jules, to our next show, which <clears throat> is... A little bit difficult because um, of of a bit of the pedigree that goes along with this. So, Canadian peeps, um, where are my Canadians at? We used to have a TV show back in the '90s and early 2000s called Da Vinci's Inquest, and you and I have mentioned it and talked about it briefly before. Um, it's one of my all-time favorite shows. So, in the list of the top five, it's certainly near the top of that list uh, of all time does it stand up i think it does i think if you can get your hands on episodes of da vinci's inquest and go back you can watch it it starred nick campbell um ian tracy was in it um who else is in it um a lot of people from that this universe right now um that that we'll be talking about um Donnelly Rhodes was in it, whom you might remember as Doc Cottle from Battlestar Galactica. The show premised around a Vancouver coroner and his investigations and, and what a coroner was. And that coroner was Dominic da Vinci, and he was played by a guy, an actor named Nicholas Campbell. And it was, wasn't was self-contained. It was always an ongoing series uh, type thing where... Um, he would investigate, you know, different deaths as a coroner does, and you know, maybe he needs to have a coroner's inquest, these sorts of things. So it was interesting to watch in that fact. To me, it was interesting to watch because it took place in my hometown and where I live. So to see that happening looks great, um, and you know, you always get a bit of a kick when when you see your own town in a in a show. Um, and the acting and the writing were superb. Um, a different level than what we see now similar to 
Fargo, Fargo-esque, possibly. I mean, Fargo is very funny how everybody is a little bit wonky, a little bit, you know, unique, a little bit different. Um, and I think Da Vinci's Inquest was similar to that, where people just had their own personalities uh, and, and really independent voices, uh, but really smart, really well-constructed plots and, and themes. Uh, and that went on for a while. It then became a show called Da Vinci's City Hall when their main character became the mayor of the town, which is all based in real life of a guy named Larry Campbell, who was the corner, then he became the mayor of Vancouver, and he consulted on this show all the way through. So a lot of the corner stories were coming right from the ex-corner. Um, it uh, died an untimely death after the... Um, I think it was the CBC had a... Uh, um, a strike or something, and, and just it never never came back after that, which was a shame because it was it was really good. If you get a chance, check it out. Da Vinci's Inquest, Da Vinci City Hall, fantastic. After that, that was created by a man named Chris Haddock, who is a writer in town uh, in Vancouver, and this was his project. He wrote it. He wrote all the episodes. He wrote all the dialogue. He did it all himself, uh, and did a great job. He then went away and then came back and pitched a series to CTV called Intelligence. Now, this is a show that, Jules, I made you watch and you became a big fan of. Um, <laughs> loved it. Loved it. And it's one of, one of those shows. And, you know, hell, I watch a lot of TV and a lot of crime shows. Uh, one of those shows that's really stayed with me. Oh, that's excellent. I'm glad to hear that. Me too. Um, not the shitty intelligence that was on American television a few years ago with Marge Halg Marg Hellenberger. That's a piece <laughs> of crap. This was an absolute genius um, show and I, I i'm not sure if we reviewed it or not but i'll just recap it's about a guy named jimmy reardon who is a drug dealer he's pretty well known in the city as a drug dealer he makes a lot of money you know he's, he's a rich guy and it's about him getting in bed with CSIS, who's the canadian intelligence service and they strike up a relationship between him and this woman at CSIS, this um you know chief woman uh and they trade information back and forth between the two of them um, it has some great players in it as well. Uh, Ian Tracy plays the main character, but um, you know you also have uh, John Cassini, whom a lot of people might know from different shows uh, in town. Um, who else was in it? Uh, Matt Frewer, as you might know, he was uh, Max Hedrum back in the day, and a million other things. Um, it, it had a really nice cast of characters. Um, one of them was a guy named Eugene Lipinski, who people would probably know as one of the creepy bald guys from Fringe. Yeah, and and one of those he's he's a classic that guy because yeah. uh, you you'll the minute you see him you'll recognize him, but you probably don't don't know his name. And he's also in the Romeo section, which which shares a lot of. Um, uh, similarities in storytelling with intelligence. Well, it, 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 I definitely think it lives... I don't know if it lives in the same world or not, but it seems like it. So, the, as Jules said, the show that we're talking about now is called Romeo Section. Professor, someone's here for you. What's the issue? Mexican national prosecutor. He's holed up in a church trying to claim sanctuary. Why me? You're the only one available. Twelve years in China. Lots of affairs and seductions. That was my job. It's necessary. Eva Walker? What the fuck is this? I've got a cushy little job for you. 
What do you do exactly? I find good people to do things on my behalf. And I want to know what he knows. He could tell us what the next 20 years of the heroin trade is going to look like. How am I supposed to do that? The game is trust. However you want to do that. He wants me to take over as his right hand, right where you want me to be. He's an independent. He's got no bloody accountability. Could be a regime change coming for the Red Mountain Triad. Need a break. Feels like things are heading off the rails. All of this can be avoided if you simply agree to kill. I've been at this game half my life. You're a free spirit, very dangerous. Uh, CBC show, um, again by Chris Haddock. And this is about a man who is a professor and teaches about Eastern culture, I think, like Chinese history kind of stuff like that. He's a Scottish guy living in Vancouver. And we learn through the episode that he's essentially an undercover operative or a spy I don't know if he's undercover. He's a spy. He's an intelligence agent. So he collects intelligence and provides it to this organization. And his section is called the Romeo section. There's also apparently the Juliet section, which is women that do the same sort of thing. So when you say spy, you think James Bond. You think, you know, really exciting and, and um, you know, big car chases and stuff like that. But that's not what we're seeing at all. Or, or even the English... The even the English version, which was Spooks, right, which or was, MI5 uh, or any of those things, yeah, right? which was less yeah. less um, uh, less James Bondish, but still there was a lot of you know car chases and and bombs and and that sort of things. But this is not that. Here. This is not that sort of show. <laughs> no. Um. It is. Um, it stars uh, a guy named Andrew Early or Early, uh, who plays Wolfgang McGee, who's our main character, um, and he is a, uh, like I said, he's a university professor who gathers information. Now I've seen up to episode six, I think. Jules, what are you on episode two or three? Yeah, uh, I'm halfway through episode three. I, well, how about this? What do you think? What is your take on on it at this point? Um. Enjoying it uh, a little, and again, this is this is. I'm, it's hard to know whether this is a reflection on the show or my life, um, because as with intelligence, what happened with intelligence, which as I've said, I adored. There's a number of story threads, some of which the connection to each other doesn't didn't become, you know, evident for a while. So you just have to sit back and go, okay, we've moved away from the main sort of storylines and and for some reason we're now here i know where it fits in but let's let me go with this so it's that sort of thing where it's not obvious certainly in the first couple of episodes uh how things intersect but i know that at some point they they will intersect it's the sort of storytelling too which doesn't lay things out for you there is no long bit of exposition in the first couple of episodes explaining uh you know why 
you know, Wolfgang's background or why he is here or what his mission is and those sort of things. It's And this is what I love about Chris Haddock's work is it you have to pick things up as you go along and you're piecing together um, the world as the episodes progress. So it's not just put out there for you on a plate, which makes for great viewing because you're learning stuff all the time. There mightn't be car chases and people literally hanging off cliffs, but you keep having these moments where the penny drops of a connection mm-hmm. between people or you suddenly realise that, you know, the person you thought was X is really, you know, part of something else or you suddenly understand that this person works for this agency or you suddenly understand the nature of the work they're doing or something like that. And I love that in intelligence that you are continually sort of getting those revelations and it's very similar here. You start to see the connections building. However, that does require some attention to the actual storytelling and I'm struggling with a bit uh, and as I said, this is not necessarily a criticism of the show, but it's not a show you can watch lightly, as I was saying uh, earlier with, like, The Leftovers or, or Fargo. I, mm-hmm. You do need to engage. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm less engaged with Wolfgang as the main character at this point, but mm-hmm. I like him enough that I'm going to keep, you know, that I, that I want to keep watching, mm-hmm. um, whereas I engaged a bit more quickly with intelligence. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, certainly something to watch. I love spy shows, so... Um, you know, even when there aren't car chases. So it's certainly right in my wheelhouse in terms of that. Yeah, and a lot of this has to do with, as as a, any Vancouver show should, with um, the Chinese, um, Chinese immigrants, Chinese mafia, Chinese connections with the triads, these sorts of things, which are, you know, a, a, a big thing in, in Vancouver, if not the rest of Canada. Um so some really great portrayals of uh, Asian Canadian people, which is nice to see, uh, unstereotypically uh, right. put on the screen, which I know a lot of people get upset about. Um, so some really great work there with those people. I still don't really know what's going on, to be quite honest with you, um, and I hope that's not a slight on it because I'm enjoying what I'm seeing and I, I enjoy watching it, but it's a slow burn. Um, I had the pleasure yeah. um, of working with one of the executive producers recently, and I, and I said to him, I said, oh, I'm watching Romeo Section. He's like, you are? I said, I am. And he says, what do you think? I said, I really like it, but it seems like a slow burn. And he's like, it is a slow burn. It's a very slow burn, but it gets really fucking good. <laughs> like, <laughs> good. Like, great. I love it. Um, because I like seeing these people. I love the interaction. Um the same executive producer directs a number of episodes, and I think it's beautifully filmed. It's it's really it's really well done. Uh, you know, it looks like any any huge Hollywood uh, production that you would see on cable. Um, some of the performances, to be quite honest with you, I'm not crazy about. Uh, I think they hired some Eastern Canadian actors, whom you know how I feel about that, Jules. Don't let me go on about the <laughs> Toronto people. I don't even know if it's true, but I'm just picking a fight, um, which I'm not crazy about. I think, you know, it, it, had I been in the shoes, maybe I, I would have hoped to have gotten some better performances. But, I mean, I don't think it throws it out the window. Do you? Well, look, you know, after two episodes... Or, or do you disagree? No, but I, after two episodes, I don't think I'm in a position to judge because I'm I, at this point I've just been trying to keep up with what's going on, and I haven't had the almost haven't had the luxury of sitting back and going, oh, how how are 
larger parts of it playing out. I mean, people like Eugene Lipinski are, are good. Uh, Andrew Ely, I think, is good. But I am finding, and again, I know this sort of show, you need to give it a while to be able to connect with uh, to ne- connect with characters. And at that point, you can either then start to go, well, is it the writing or the acting that's meaning I'm not not connecting uh, with the characters? So I, mm-hmm. I think I need to give it more time uh, in terms of being able to go, well, that he, that actor's not working for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Let me know when you come up with that. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it could just be me. I'm, I'm a bit of a jerk in that regard. But... Um, so that that's the only thing that sort of sticks with me. It like I said, it is a really slow burn. So hopefully we get to that point. Um, but it's interesting, you know. Like the scandals aren't giant; they're small scandals. But in the context of the show and the universe that it lives in, they're big things. It's it's like you know big revelations. Even though it's oh, you found out that this guy's this guy's cousin or something like that, or yeah, you know, this guy just ripped that guy off. Where in the other show, you'd be like, yeah, but in here, it's like, oh my god, that's a huge, you know, that's a huge device right there. Um, so to me, it's it's interesting. It's fun to see Vancouver. I really like that. And Always nice to see Vancouver playing Vancouver. Exactly. And uh, and I think there's some, some, there are some really cool performances. I think Andrew Early is really great. Him and Eugene Lipinski are very funny together, and they're very good. You know, the second episode when he gets in the boat and the dinghy and starts rowing around mm. drunk. I mean, that was hilarious. I was laughing out loud. Um, so there's some really, some really, really good stuff there. And I, I would uh, say if you get the chance, go and and get yourself some episodes. If you're in Canada, just go to cbc.ca and you can watch them online. Um, but if you're outside of the country, there's there's ways of getting things. <laughs> And add it to your roster, certainly to, to give it a tryout. Definitely worth your time. Um, that's us for our 50th episode. Well, really, that's it? That's it. But we'll be back with some comedy in our next 51st episode. Yeah, 51 is comedy. 51 is comedy. We'll be back then for a few chuckles. All right, everybody. Thanks for tuning in and thanks for continuing to support us. If you like what you hear, please tell a friend. We'd love to get some more listeners on board to the six six twisted podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try and be more sick and twisted next time. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for stopping in. Bye. Bye, Jules. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you like the podcast, please consider giving us a review on iTunes. Send email to fans at tvchinwag.com or follow on Twitter at tvchinwag. Music for this podcast provided by YouTube Music. For Ryan, Jules, and myself, Rich Rubin, thanks for listening to TV Chinwag.